0: Warning, this podcast has stories of real life events and true crime that happens every day. These stories may contain adult language and graphic or disturbing details not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised.
1: First, I've got him at
0: out Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Chuck. Tom is not with us today, but we have someone else. We have Doc.
1: What's up? What's, What's up, Doc? Man? So
0: <clears throat> um, so we had Doc. Doc's a uh, a former guest of ours. He was on. Um is a Marine called Doc on Instagram. Um, he's helping me out today because Tom is is doing his uh his thesbian stuff is for his play, uh Spam a lot over there in Idaho um so he's doing all that and unfortunately um he can't make it today so it's all right we got doc and then we have nico nico was uh on our podcast originally um came on talked about his uh his nonprofit that he started in a couple stories and he said he wanted to come back on the show and and bring a friend so who do you have for us nico
2: yeah i got blue um an old mate of mine who i went through much my entire journey of the SAS with, literally selection together. Yeah, hey, g'day guys. So Luke Andrews, or as
1: Nico alluded to, uh, Blue, because I have red hair, checks out, Australian humour. Um, and yeah, Nico and I were the two youngest guys on our intake for, for SAS selection or Australian SAS selection back in 2009. So we've been thick uh, thickest seas ever since then. So yeah, mate, thanks very much for having us on your podcast.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining. And thank you, Nico, for coming back on again and bringing your buddy. So you guys were in the special forces together or the SAS uh, in Australia, correct? Yeah. Yeah. that's right. Now, yeah. Blue, uh, we've we've asked Nico this question, but how did you um, like get into the military? Like what did what drove <laughs> you to it and what drove you specifically to SAS? Yeah,
1: so, yeah mate. So my my story is kind of the quintessential uh, you know, want to be a SF guy. So I grew up in a military family. Um, you know, been soldiering runs in my blood. So I've got uh, my, my father's grandfather um, landed on the beaches of Gallipoli. There's a there's a real big day every year in Australia we commemorate, which is called Anzac Day. It's kind of your your like a version right. of your Veterans Day. Um, and uh, you know, so I've got that connection to, to Anzac Day. I've got uh, my father was a sergeant major in in, in, in engineers. So you know, my uh, my childhood was you know making my bed, getting, getting the ruler out and all this sort of stuff. So, mate, pretty much that's, that's all I knew. And uh, by the time I, I, I was in school, you know, like my, most of my mates had pictures of, of, you know, females and stuff up on the, on the wall. Uh, I did have that, but I had mainly, you know, SF guys jumping out of planes and stuff. So, mate, I was, there was only one way I was going. And, uh, yeah, I was you, you could call it a military nerd. So, you know, did Army cadets and all sort of stuff. Still don't live that down. But uh, yeah, I was I was into the army, man. From from you know, right from say six years old, I knew I wanted to join the army, and ended up in the infantry. Um, and and sort of ended up, I was always just buying my time, saying, "Right, I w- when when can I do selection?" So you know, oh, well. and, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. So all the he had, his, his army photos, were all like and posters, were all pretty weird, right? Because most of the guys were. <laughs> in the well, they, they, well, they were, yeah. yeah, they were in underwear, but you know, yes. well, a little bit. <laughs> Doing, they, were doing, they weren't in the army, work. they were just doing physical training, right? So yeah, that's, that's not with that. each other. Pretty intimate, yeah. It's like some- we don't, they don't he have the
0: them. sexy, the sexy calendar from the Australian military,
2: dude. That's hard to tell because they had nothing on. <laughs> you just kind of like, I guess they're army I guess they're yeah. army blokes, you know, they're all they're into this, but, this but new eye, new, their like, eyes impressive. were blacked out, so that's
1: what made them SF, you know. So, it's not, it's not gay, <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious, yeah. So, uh. Yeah, yes. you said, well, you said you got I think it's from
2: where, 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 where can we find those? Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh yeah, well, we'll send the link later, later <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in, the, in yeah. the notes below, right? For anyone who, who's curious, or any kids want to be inspired? You know? <laughs> That's funny Chuck,
1: because, wow. um, I'd always growing up thinking, you know, or, or saying to myself, yeah, I'm going to do selection, I'm going to do selection. And then, mm. um, when, when I did it and when I, when I finished it, I really, it was super confusing because, uh, I'd never thought past that. So it's right. kind of like, oh, yeah, I did. So they like, you know, they're like, oh, congratulations. You know, when this, the commanding officer comes out and said, everyone's blah, blah, blah. That was fucking awesome. It like was, uh, yeah, we can talk about that in a minute. Um, Yeah, it was kind of weird because I had this massive sense of, uh, not an anti-climax, but a sort of like, okay, so I did it. Uh, what, right. what next? And obviously, you know, what ensued was another year of, of, of getting qualified, which is just as hard, but... Uh, yeah, it's quite. A, it was an interesting feeling. Probably a similar feeling to you know when you leave the military, you kind of like, what next? You know, sort of a right. an introduction to that, I guess. But um, probably yeah, a common. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, and you're like, fuck! I wanted to do this yeah. this time, and now what do I do? Like, where do I go from here? You know, <clears throat> that type of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I and I kind of expected. I don't know why, but I, I, you you know probably like in the United States, there's a huge uh, you know, how many podcasts and books and video- movies are there about special forces, right? Like when right. you actually do it, you're kind of thinking, did I, Yeah, you know, did I do it? You, you, you kind of think like, oh, I, I wouldn't be capable of that. And when you achieve it, you're kind of like, fuck, did I did, did I am I dreaming? Or was that, that, did that right?
0: was it harder than you thought?
2: or yeah. easier.
1: No, no, way harder. No,
2: they <laughs> wanted to
1: <laughs> they so were hell bent
2: on making it the hardest thing. Like this one instructor, it would become a pissing competition, like a huge dick measuring competition between the senior instructor running it at the unit. So they get like two two years, then it passes off to the next senior instructor. And as they kept going, it got to a point where it was a huge dick measuring competition to see how hard they could make it. Like they still had to do the framework, but they would just stretch it out that that much harder.
1: They so would, for, for, for selection for the Australian SAS, I guess um, American listeners might not be Super savvy with it, but it's a three-week or 21-day course. And, uh, you know, it's got different modules. So, uh, yeah, it starts off with what you'd expect on selection. You you, you know, you smash sessions where you you obviously limited food, limited sleep, stuff that you'd expect. Uh, And then there's an individual phase we we call happy wanderer where, you know, it's up to you. Basically, you're on your own for three days. You're moving through the bush, um, achieving navigational checkpoints. And then the last five days, you know, the, the running joke in the SAS is that selection starts on lucky dip, and that lucky dip is the last five days, and that's essentially just just a slug yeah. session where you. Can have, oh yeah, that and yeah. You know, no food, no, no sleep. Meeting. Yeah, exactly right. So you're already, you know, you've gone two and a half weeks. Uh, you've, you've you've sort of been broken down, and then yeah, that's where that's where it really starts. Where you know people people are pulling out or getting injured. Uh, so we started with around, I think it was a bit over 150. And we ended up with uh, 23 in the end, uh, and that's to start a year long, year year long right. training.
2: Uh,
1: and we lost probably five of those guys on the way. So I think we graduated a year and a few months later with with uh, 15 or 16 guys. So and that that's about yeah. what you'd expect every year. Uh, that's about the attrition rate. So you know, Talk, you're, you're we will. Yeah.
2: They were pushing close to about 300. They just dropped off so fucking quick at the start that it appeared like it was 150.
1: It was much higher
2: numbers at the start. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know. like, Did, like,
0: did you guys so do amazing. any, like, crazy swimming? I know that uh, Recon and and uh, marsock dudes and um, Navy SEALs, they all do, like, uh, heavy swimming, and um, they're, like, BUDS or Hell Week or
1: yeah. whatever you want to call it. Well, it's funny because in, in the United States, right, you guys have got so many – different um units that that have different um you know that are assigned with different orbats or different capabilities where in australia we've got we've got sasr our unit and we've got um we've got the commandos so we kind of share all the capabilities so you know we're not explicitly um you know hostage rescue like some of your units or we're not explicitly uh marine you know we kind of capture like we we, we, i guess our all is to do all of those so right we're not heavy we're kind of the, you know jack of all trades master of none if you will say so there's not a lot a great deal of swimming there's not i mean on selection what did we do we just had an open water we had a bit of a swim in the ocean that's about it so yeah, yeah. They, they just oh. wanted to
2: know if you could swim intensely so they just like all right full clothes uniform boots all that shit and they made us go the freezing cold zero
0: right it's not like the american yeah. military yeah, yeah. we're the like ones. here go yeah. fucking drown yourself with a brick <laughs>
2: Yeah, right. yeah, it was That's right here. Yeah. It's, it's, right. it's right. like we got it's all right, we got it, we got to we got a make on standby, you guys. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I could be honest, I, <laughs> I did fucking drown like they made it because this strange surf is like proper Pacific surf, oh. right? And yeah. it's where all the off the coast of us, is where the sharks are. So they made us swim out there in the winter, yeah, well, super well past the surf in all your clothes and boots, yeah, and then swim parallel to the beach for a I while, tried, while. Yeah. and like and then for like half a kilometer and then and then come back. Um, through the surf I just remember hitting the water. Like it was, it was basically an ice bath. Just you know, if it wasn't syrup, it would be frozen. And then, uh, and yeah, I just remember my chest collapsing and just going, well, I'm either going to drown or do this. But, I, you know, that was like, you know, one of a great many. I'm either going to die or do it circumstances legal selection.
0: <laughs> wow, dude. That, that's intense. Jesus. <clears throat> so you guys, so you wanted to be special forces, basically since you were a kid got into special forces you're like holy shit, i just did it and then you went on to your unit and that's when you met nico or
1: well we met we, we'd met a few times we are both from the infantry so we we sort of had mutual friends i mean the australian army is not not a huge fraternity um, <laughs> uh um, classes mates we kind of we happen to be we're good we're good we're good <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah I think so yeah
1: I'll start that again yeah so we, we we did know each other but we weren't super close we we became closer I guess from selection uh and when we fin we, you know we were in the same team on so I, I mentioned lucky dip earlier so Nico and I were both in the same team on lucky dip and and you really only got what's that about eight or nine guys in your team for that and and yeah. you know you obviously teamwork's obviously um big in the army but but obviously more so in a special force environment uh and
2: everyone took turns at leaders there's no like the officers or like ncos or whatever going to charge it's like no everyone's equal level and everyone takes turn at leadership because like they don't want you if you can't if you're incapable of being a follower and you're capable of being a leader they don't want you and then also if you're incapable of operating as an individual autonomously they don't want you either right. like you need to be able to make all these decisions from, from any level and fall into that line right exactly so we're in right the same yeah. same team doing that and uh it, and then I think it wasn't until like it was kind of just five I think it was five days without food and sleep and they just kind of put you to work like an like an animal for those five days. Like most of the, for at least 12, 13 hours a day you're carrying more than your own own body weight. Um, just to like break you. And then they keep you up all night, like harassing you while you dig a hole, or you dig a swimming pool with right. a knife, this bullshit, right? Um, but they decided to extend it, like sneaking in an extra day there. The, the night before mm. they decided they'd, they'd like stretch it. They gave us like a quarter of a cup of rice and like hoping you'd get more and then that was it.
1: So actually the, the first meal that we had, we, it, was, it was five days with limited food because we, we did get a meal on the third day and the meal was a tray uh, and I had these farm worms, like basically like farm maggots, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maggots. Had, um, maggots. Had sheep's, sheep's heart, sheep's brain. Riddled with maggots. But like oh, uh, and so you know, obviously obviously, you know, people see the movies, they hear the podcast, but everything as as you gentlemen know, you know, everything we do in the military, particularly on a selection course, there's a massive right. reason behind you know the the why. There's a big why, and you know, you, you could you could choose anything on a selection course and say, Well, why do we do that? But this particular thing, you know, if you're working with say an indigenous force and you're you're, you're running that to you know some sort of proxy warfare sort of whatever you want to call it, right? You, you you've got to be able right. to someone put some food in front of your face, you're not gonna uh, you're not gonna say no, especially if you're hungry. So it's just an interesting thing to see. I remember one of the boys, uh You all gotta this. I've never Everyone seen a shut guy their so excited. Yeah, well that's right, yeah, have got pretty quick but I remember we are all sitting around, like, hooking into all these hearts and brains and guys picking out, you know, bits of food. And one of the guys, he got, I just, I don't know why, it was such a surreal moment, but he, he got super excited, like a kid in a candy store, right? He's like, oh, a heart. It's like he's, like, scooping through all the lollies and he's found, like, his favourite lolly, you know? He's like, and he oh, grabs, man. like, an apple and he bites into it and all the blood just runs down his face. But he was, like, happy as a, a, oh. a pig in China. He was super stoked. He's like, a heart. Picks it up, <laughs> yeah. takes this big bite. And, uh, you know, when you haven't eaten it that long, you, you, it's almost like as soon as you swallow, you feel the nutrients going back through your body and you're like, 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 like a bloody iPhone battery. You're like, you know, you feel that gusto. You right. kind of get your energy back. So it's
2: pretty interesting. But um, I remember scooping handfuls of maggots at the bottom. <laughs> I realized the maggots didn't have a taste. And it's like, it's like man, I just eat, eat, eat handfuls of maggots. But it was like the joke was on us. The, cook, the cooks seemed like undercooked. <laughs> So like you kind of have to eat it so that they'll know that you'll eat in those circumstances. But the cooks undercooked it, so everyone got asked pissed and vomited. And I remember it just oh being—oh my like, gosh! Remember, remember, I couldn't sit down because I was holding the my 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 ass was as tight as a fucking nun. And I'm like, all I needed <laughs> to do was just keep it so tight and clench it. Just like I was carrying like mortars, <laughs> and shit, and like rounds and all this crap. And it was, and I was just. <laughs> My pack as well as everything else and water jerry's I'm like, they're like, they're like, Nick, take a take a minute break. I'm like, not a fucking chance. If I sit down, I'm like shitting all through my pants. And I've still got us, I don't know how many more days I've got left before I'm like still wearing these cams. So anyway, wow. That's so why it did work out great for everyone, but we all got asked disinvomited. And vomit, yeah. but, uh,
0: Hold, so you're going through basically a seer school at this point. Yeah. Um yeah. and you are not only eating organ meat that's that's rotten and undercooked and and maggots and and now they've given you basically dysentery and now you're shitting yourselves through your uniform and not knowing how many days you have left.
2: It's the end of selection and they've got one instructor per person, one senior member of the unit per person with a notebook and pen staring at you from somewhere between a foot, five foot, ten foot away just taking notes on every single fucking one of these. It's only then that they really start intricately studying each person on such Mm -hmm. a minute individual level. They want to see how selfish you are, how jack you are, how competent you are as a leader, how stressed you get. Like they're watching you like a fine tooth comb, whether they want you next to them to rely on you at any level, in their team, in their troop, in their squadron, whatever the hell it is, mm-hmm. for whatever circumstance, or as an individual. So
1: I guess the amount of scrutiny that's put on you—you you don't realise at the time, right? When you're you're just a dude from the infantry or whatever unit you came from, you turn up, you know, having having a shot at at, at the big league, right? Everyone's trying to get into the SAS, so right. you just you just put your best foot forward. But it's not until you know Nico's worked on selection as well. A few years later, when we qualified, we come back to to do the same thing where that person now following the new that you know the new guys and it's not until then when especially you know when you look at the, the piece of paper that you're marking them off man the, the, the amount of scrutiny like there's nothing I, I can't think of another organization that that scrutinizes people so heavily i mean you're talking about um you're not allowed to you make your notes of most about of the
2: information you're noting is negative like right. you're looking for negative shit so at the end of the day it's like and then if you can think of highlights and you see it could be fair but you're writing them as like special notes. It's
1: cool. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's funny because, you know, there's all these self help uh, podcasts out there. And, you know, if you chuck on Instagram, everyone's talking, you know, the, what, what pops up resilience? Everyone wants to be, how do I become more resilient? Right. You know, um, and this and that. But one word that I think is really not explored enough, which is, should be exploited, you know, to the nth degree is um, resolve, right? Because, um, you know, just, just to have resolve when, yeah, obviously, when the, when the chips are down, and think about what selection is. It's, it's, um, it's, it's seeing, yeah, you know, it's emulating conditions that an, a special forces unit might need to conduct. How, how do you emulate that without hurting people, right? You run a selection, you make it super hard, you give them heavy shit to carry, and you see how they go. And that's, you know, what's your resolve like? And it's funny because. Um, at the start of selection day one, you st- we stripped naked, right? And there was however right. many of us there, and we we're all standing there. And they bring females in to kind of this is uh, his specialty,
2: right? Because if to... you've seen those as <laughs> they bring
0: females up? in. Let's see, who
2: gets uh, so like the moment <laughs> he'd been waiting for his whole military career, came to this moment. They're like, You don't need to get naked yet. What are you You're doing like? Else? Why are you wrestling that guy? You're like, Mate, get, get you get me junk out of your mouth. But it's funny, <laughs> right? You look around, and you
1: see all these units, all these dudes that come from the infantry super jacked and you're like man i was like fucking 60 kilos ringing wet you know and you're looking around you're like fucking hell man look at the look at the size of these dudes. i've got no chance and then you know it's a good it's a good life lesson because you know my father always used to say never you know never judge a book by its cover and right. guys that you would like if you if you got some dudes in that room you go all right put you know put a thousand bucks on the top five guys or whatever you know you'd
2: it, it, it's just a funny. It's a funny lesson
1: in human dynamics. And uh,
2: at the end of the day, we all talked about. At the end, the guys who got it, got through, got selected, and were are going for the Rio. We're like, you look at them. You're like, they're not. They were not the specimens in any capacity. Those guys actually like day three, day five. They were gone so early because wow. once they had their perfect diet or sleep and everything taken from them, right. their capability yeah. to, to operate, and perform was not there they self-selected to quit. They didn't even get injured. That was an interesting part. That's the right. people at the end just truly wanted it more than everyone else. That's and that's a differentiating factor.
1: And I think, you know, um there's there's metrics for everything in the world, right? Like you go to the business world, right. corporate world, or, you know, there's okay, how or you know like uh there's there's in terms of say physicality, there there's there's tests, intellect, there's tests, IQ or whatever you you know you want to do but there, there's no desire test right like how much do you want something like oh man i was not the fittest dude by and i was probably one of the unfittest dudes right. I was, um but mate i was i was burning hot like i like i told you guys how much i wanted it um well, it's an american
0: and, saying that you have heart so like you had a lot of heart
1: yeah that's right yeah we said the same thing right yeah yeah ticker,
2: yeah. bit of ticker. ticker. so you know ticker it's uh heart. Yeah.
1: yeah it's it's not it's not rocket science man it's like no if you want to be whatever in this world and you dedicate that much energy, you're going to get it. And, and at that stage in our life, we want it, to, you know, I want it to be in the SAS and, and that's what I focused my energy on. And we did it, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that's it was a moment. Time, so.
0: It's crazy how like you go into it and you're like, wow, this is super hard than you, and then you make it. Um, and so when I was in the, in the Marine Corps um, uh, and I was talking to one, a staff sergeant, he had a, he was a marsock uh, or he became a, a raider a marsock raider um, shortly thereafter uh, but he w- went through uh, I guess selections with uh, marsock and he made it all the way through and then he was in the the schooling portion you know like after your selections and he was yeah. in that whole year-long thing and he said he was uh he ended up having to get um, medically uh, I guess separated from from that training because he like tore out his whole knee. But they said they were like, hey, they'll let you come. We'll let you start back where you left off and go back through that full evolution. Because to, to, uh, he's already going through the schools portion. Yeah, <clears throat> and he said that this shit was like Jason Bourne stuff, where like yeah. they put out like EPBs and shit on you, and and you have to like escape and evade and and in, in actual towns and cities with civilian population and stuff. Um, if you guys can talk about it, did you guys do anything similar yeah. to those?
1: Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. yeah. So, I guess we've we've spoken about our selection, and and you know, you can probably go around the world and choose a country's you know top special forces unit, and you're probably going to find that the selection process is similar, right? Um, right. And I guess it's it's if you fast forward after that, you know, I mentioned it took took us about a bit over twelve months to get qualified, and if you fail any of those courses that we call, I guess the 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 mandatory courses to get qualified, you know, it's gonna uh-huh. take another 12 months until that course comes around again to get qualified. So in some instances it takes guys, you know, two and a half years is probably the maximum to get qualified, so, and any variation of that. So the mentality is, if you've done selection, you're the prototype that we want, we're gonna look after you after that, get you qualified and then you're, you're a qualified. I, I actually think
2: there was three stages, right? They have got some tiers in there, they've got their like, they've got their selection, which at the end of our selection, usually you just do 23 days and to, like to show how much, how intense it is for 23 days, I didn't brush my teeth. So I had an extra minute or two of sleep. You don't do that anyway. Yeah, fuck it. Brush your teeth fucking cowards. Um, you got a bit of British in your day. So anyway, I, um, I I didn't brush my teeth because like sometimes we're getting like 30 minutes. Um, Sometimes it was like you know might we get an hour or two hours but I don't think we we probably didn't get more than like three hours right unless it was like a solo journey where you were like left alone with yourself to attack your own mind in the evenings and whatever for like five days or three days or whatever it was they do a bit of that to see how you operate individually but at the end of selection this guy the head guy running our selection you know as he peeked out on his dick measuring competition from the years before he thought it'd be a great idea to throw resistance to interrogation which was four years of in, in, four days straight of interrogation at the end of it. So not only did we do 23 days, but then we ended did 96 hours immediately after losing like 15 kilograms, which is like, what, 33 or four pounds or some shit, just 34 pounds maybe, something like that. So we'd lost that over the course of three weeks, and then they threw us into 96 hours Mm. um, at the end of it. So that's another 96 hours of not eating and not sleeping. So they, they said they'd never do this again because we were hallucinating and do some shit in their pants. Right. and, and whatever it was, they couldn't hold themselves <laughs> up, chaos and bleeding. It was like, it was, it was, shamroids. it was just a circus, you know, um, but it was like, they, they managed to draw it out. And then at the end of that, it's like, kind of like, well, whoever's standing, you know, right now they select from those people. So what was 23 right. days, 27 days. And then it was like, you know, we were so fucked at the end of it. Like we couldn't cock a pistol. Like but they're trying to throw us back right. into training. And then, like, we actually couldn't cock a pistol. Dudes are screaming, sleep and shit. Like, everyone was shitting their pants in the hallway and stuff. No one could get to the toilet on time. It's pretty funny looking back on it. Not as funny. Um, so funny, <laughs> it's still funny, and it's like still because It's like, and so we did that, and then we then it has like the next. That started in July, so at the end of July, we're kind of maybe August sometime. Then to August to the end of December, there is no like. Weekends, you're just fucking going on training constantly to the end of the year, to the end of December, and right. then and it's like and it's it's this and it's jungle warfare training. They never handed back anything from Vietnam in our unit. No skill set. They never lost it. They kept. Which in the Vietnam, our unit was known as Phantoms of the Jungle, right, by the Viet Cong and, and right. the Vietnamese, like terrified, um, and they this like we are definitely as far as ego goes we're in the jungle like it like proper bush ninjas jungle ninjas it is fucking right. out of control like the we are meticulously slow and detailed so we do that we went straight to that we're doing weapons training we're doing everything but we're expected to do this from one starvation and fatigue period to the next like 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 straight out we're trying to do weapons training we can't even cock fucking pistols because our hands are too too weak like it's like we don't, we don't have the dexterity and the strength in our hands to cock pistols and they already got us trained in the weapons and shit. It was like it was a circus. It was like one giant fuck show of a challenge to the next. But as I'm getting full circle here, we did that. Then we did this, you know, survival course for three weeks which had an epic amount of elements just like the MarSock guy was talking right. about. And we're in the desert. We're in cities. We're on the run. Dogs chasing us. All this shit. And then it was like. Then it was, it was demolitions. It's it's all this shit up until para stuff. And it's one thing to the next. So the next six months, essentially, or five months, were his own survival fucking cause to stay in the unit. So he didn't get right. kicked out for failing or not being able to keep up or being too fatigued or being broken or being injured or not being competent enough um, from, like, a, a mental competence level to be able to keep up with everyone else because, you know, however I so- know. Else-
0: I got a question then what was the two questions one what was the uh best thing you ever the 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 funniest thing that ever happened during uh selections or that whole year-long process to become SAS and uh what was the hardest
1: I can I can talk I've got a funny story I'd love to tell it but and then hardest we'll think about that one right but so Nico's kind of uh talking about you know the continuation of that training so one, you know, you'll finish a course on the, like we'd finish, say, the roping course on a Friday, have the weekend off, and on Monday we're straight into, you know, demolitions or fast driving or, uh, you know, heavy weapons, whatever it was. But, uh, well, I did talk about this on another podcast I did, but it, it, I love telling it. it's worth telling again. So we're all, we start our demolitions course, right? right. And we're all out of range and we're pretty fatigued because we've been bouncing through all these courses and, and, uh, we had this engineer dude, and he's like, "Yeah, guys. So what we're going to go on with now is how to, you know, um, get rid of. If you're in another country and you need to fucking get rid of ammo, we just, you just blow it in place, right? And we're like, Yeah, cool. Sounds cool. So we're out the demolitions range, and he's got this. There's this huge hole dug in the ground, and it's full of ammo, man. It's got right down the bottom is a real heavy stuff like the, you know, your, your um thirty mil cannon, and then it goes, you know." Seven, six, two, five, five, six, nine miller. and sorry, there was fifty cal in there as well. So he's pouring was a Caro or something. So all he over? had
2: forty mil. He had some big shit in there too. Yeah, so was it bottom. forty mil? To, yeah, 40 yeah, yeah, it's like everything, man, mil. and it was all definitely old ammo, right?
1: And he's like, yeah. "Yeah, guys, the safety distance for this is three hundred meters," and we're like, <laughs> yeah. "And we're like, yes, it seems legit." And it's not just us; There's about thirty of us, all trainees, right? And all our instructors, the head instructor, everyone. Cause this guy's like a specialist he's from engineers and he's he, you know he's a demolitions dude we're
2: all kind of sitting around like yeah we're know, just sitting around man, like, we're trainees
1: dudes are fucking smoking our instructors you know. from the unit are like that's fine dudes are smoking cigarettes sitting on water jerrys and shit and he's like uh you know so he, he pours was it fucking yeah car- uh, you know, pours petrol or something and he lights it gas gasoline yeah he pours gasoline on and so things. uh that's and all the nine the, the nine mil on top starts going off and we're like yeah this is cool <laughs> five, five, six starts going off, and he's trying to talk to us. He's like, yeah, guys, so blah, blah, blah. And then it kind it gets of a gets, bit a bit, it gets a bit bored. It's, yeah, a, bit, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit boring. It's a bit bo- no, it hasn't got to that yet. No, it's yeah. a bit boring. We're like, yeah, cool. You know, and it's coming up to lunch, and we like, fuck, man, let's go get a feed. And then you kind of hear a few zings, and we're like, oh, that's a bit weird. You know, and obviously the projectile in this instance isn't the thing flying through the air. The, the gunpowder's going off and the, the shell's flying through the air. So we start hearing <laughs> a few like, zigs. And, and then we kind of think, and I remember thinking, "Fuck, this is getting a bit hectic." And but but it's like that pack mentality when all the dudes are Don't together. No one, no one wants to be a pussy, Ross. Right? So, <laughs> so no one's doing anything. And one of our one of our mates, Skeet, big Skeet, right? He's sitting on a on a water jerry, and you hear this, ting, and it just like it's an empty jerry. So you hear the thud of it, and it just misses his, his balls, it just hits Ooh. right under. And then you just hear this run, and everyone's fucking. Cutting human straw stickers across the, the demolitions range and then the big stuff starts coming up. Like, <laughs> whoa, 40 whoa. mil fucking 40
2: mil on fire over our fucking heads. And oh, fucking shit. Heads. And shit. Run for We're running to a bunker <laughs> up the hill because it's a demolitions range, right? Bunker up the hill and it's flying over past the fucking bunker. Oh, shit. Fucking <laughs> and, and there's f- a fuel there's a dump, there's up there. field dump up There's the top a top, fuel right? dump up there as well. And, uh, so oh, and,
1: and at the demolitions yeah, range, there's all shit. these massive gum trees, right? These eucalypt trees, and all these fucking branches are getting shredded by all these uh these round, well, obviously not the round, but the the shells flying <laughs> through the air. And I, I was taking cover, like we're trying to basically like maneuver back to the the entrance of the the demolition shelter, right? And uh, I was hiding behind this big tree with one of our instructors, and he got shot in the arm like a year a, a year earlier. And he's like, fuck that. I'm not like getting shot again.
2: And he's fucking taking kind <laughs> of like maneuver behind cover to fucking get back to it. It was so funny because all the, all the fucking train all the like guys, got trainees going through the enforcement we're, we're like, awesome cycle. We're all sitting there at the front and we're trying to just like, oh, yeah, this is totally cool. Like, we're be like, it's, we're it's, we're like yeah, it's normal. And then it was like, <laughs> and the assistant instructors and instructors are <laughs> <were running>, fucking <laughs> sprinting up the hill. It was like, that's the moment it was like, so I was like, fucking run. Like, yeah. So wow. this, this engineer the And it man, kept going. We got to the bunker and it, it, it kept escalating, by the way, like proper escalation. It was fucking, it was, it's like no one had ever tested what yeah. they decided to do to dispose of ammunition So before. Anyway, I call bullshit on the 300 meter safety rule, but anyway,
1: I'm, wow. not, I'm not an expert. <laughs> but, For uh,
0: yeah, us, yeah. Um, so funny thing is, is Doc and I used to be, have the same MOS and the same job in the in the Marine Corps um yeah uh, i don't know did you ever doc did you ever operate on uh the the uh mark 154 the miklix no i never did. i would, i've seen it operate i was never on it i was always on a P-7 okay
2: or, or the c7 whatnot
0: oh yeah, so cool. your mic's yeah. a bit
2: soft, hey, doc but that could be us not hearing it
0: no it's it's i think it's his mic.
2: yeah okay right, better
0: yeah. can you go up a little more
2: right. up a little more I can go up all day. I don't know if you know that. That's cool. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so that right. elephant ain't got nothing on you, man. You fucking <laughs> take Um uh
0: so I I was on that vehicle. So I I uh I had a mark I was a Mark 154 um uh, Miklik, uh crew chief, basically. And um it basically carried three rockets on it with uh um two three tubs of C4, 1750 pounds each tub of C4, and it would shoot out. And at our range that we launched that thing at, um, we only had, what, 150 meters of tow rope, basically, in front of us with the deck cord. And then all the C4, um, like daisy chain, um, to blow up minefields. And where we were standing watching this shit was a mile away. Yeah, wow. And when that thing went off, you would be in the vehicle and you'd feel the vehicle rock and you're like, huh, that was it when you're up there on like a like a mile away you do that that uh shockwave hits you right in the chest
1: oh man yeah so I
0: could That's only cool. imagine you're you're blowing up artillery or you know fucking a bunch of different rounds 300 300 meters or 300 feet or yeah you know.
1: yeah well there was no there We're was close. no rounds. it was all it was all just like rounds right I think like okay. I said, the whole thing was it was 40 couple 40 mil maybe was that um, No, no no there, no, there was, was a number, not a
2: couple because I, I, I was a bit over eager to help this guy. Oh, were you helping Fuck. him yeah, I was helping him. Fuck I was A bit over eager to pour the ammunition into the fucking hole. It was an insane amount of of, of weaponry. <laughs> like an insane. Like it was like like there there is there is a small war amount of ammunition in there that we could have trained with. Could have, like, you couldn't train with that with a battalion and get rid of it in a day with everyone right. fucking firing. It was it was an awful lot. Yeah. That's <laughs> And I think, you know, like, as you guys know, in the military, right, like, fuck, how many funny
1: stories do you have? It's like, where, where do I start? So I guess I want to make a point. When the Australian SAS, when, when we, when we uh, you know, do the research, when you're an infantry soldier getting ready to do selection, we have 10 uh, pillars, I guess, or, or um, tenants of, you know, that the unit um, sort of advertised to say, well, this is our, you know, this is our 10 attributes. That's the word I was looking for. And one of them, you know, you've got like Relentless Pursuit for Excellence and uh, all these all these other ones, I've forgotten a few now, but one of them is a sense of humour. So I'd like to, you know, put it out there and, and it's a rhetorical question, but how many, you know, high-performing, let's let's say that we are high-performers that we, we think we are, you know, how many high-performing organisations around the world have a sense of humour as right. uh, one of their prerequisites, right? And I think if you want to spend some time on that, um, you know, obviously every soldier around the world it helps immensely to have a sense of humor, particularly a dark one. Um, you know, dark humor is kind yeah. of like food, not everyone gets it. <laughs> get it. But uh, you know, it's like uh <laughs> too soon. So, you know, it's um yeah, the sense of humor. I, I thought I'd talk about that one because um when the chips are down or when you're doing something that that uh, yeah super fucking hard if I can use you know speak eloquently, um, mate. What what do you got left to lean on when you talk about resolve? I mentioned it earlier, you know, resilience, all this shit, mate, sense of humour. If you just think about, you know, this, like, classic example, this this is just the introduction to our career in the regiment. We hadn't even sort of been overseas yet. And we're taking cover behind a tree and there's fucking rounds going everywhere and this bloke's fucking, you know, he's making cracking jokes and, you know, it's just, it's funny as shit. I don't think you'd find it in any other. It's a bit of a microcosm of society, but I think that sense of humour, it. it doesn't seem like much, but I think it it, it just it adds a lot. It adds it helps a lot of break going. down the
2: seriousness of the situation so Exactly you at right. the, the time and, and then deal with it later.
0: Yeah. Um, the gallows humor, it's it's a coping mechanism that a lot use Um to get through hard times or shitty situations and just to make light of it and just and just laugh and like you're you're sitting there like this, you're like, Fuck, we almost died in a training accident. Fuck <laughs> it. Kind of funny so, now. You know,
2: just once that sentence is applicable. Like no shit, our training. I'm like there was, there was. So hardest
1: one. Right, we going on to that hardest, the hardest, hardest. Yeah. hardest? What's, what's the fucking? What's the hardest shit we did?
2: Say the whole fucking thing. Um. <laughs> well, I guess like selection. <laughs> there was a point there where it didn't stop, where it felt like, hey man, when are we getting off selection? Because I'm gonna be honest, it was like for the first few months that just it didn't feel like we're off selection.
1: It so was. I reckon some of our training so we do we do a jungle phase right and Australia geographically is obviously close to Papua New Guinea which is basically as jungle as you can fucking get and uh, we head up there for 6 weeks to do our jungle training and that's hard because it's a different type of hard it's like it's physicality mixed with just suffering mixed with you know cuz like if you if you you know any soldiers listening or if you're not if you don't understand, uh, if you've never operated in the jungle, you know, you talk to any kind of special forces soldier, they'll say, you know, the old, the catch cry in Australia is if you can operate in the jungle, you can operate anywhere because it's such an unforgiving environment. Right. You can't sleep on the ground. Well, you got to sleep had, in hammocks. You I get full-blown trench foot. You know, you got fucking, like you got, you oh, got yeah. the, in Papua New Guinea, man, like one of the boys took a knee, you got these massive millipedes and I'm talking they're, they're like over a couple of feet long they're fucking huge and they're poisonous as shit. So one of the boys... Oh, yeah, you've got God. all these creepy crawlies on the ground. You've got fucking massive spiders. You've got people. How many snakes have you seen? popping? you getting... Did I remember my... Did, even, just
2: even that's
0: a, a big fuck, no. I remember, I, remember
2: it's, it's I remember my bush it's awesome. training. It's awesome. And our team leader wouldn't let us use hoochies. because he's like, no, we sleep basically on top of each other next to each other. Another poster of fucking... Yeah, well, we were... <laughs> and why we get naked. It was super weird. It we was all this weird shit, man. I know. It's like, what's going on? Um... So
0: don't worry, we like it not to bet. Don't That's worry fine. about it. Just close your eyes.
2: Just close your eyes and cry. Um, imagine someone else. Like, mate, I'm a step heavier. Anyway, so like, so I did. I did. A, um, I um, I remember shivering for like 43 or 44 hours straight. But like with my teeth teeth clacking, and remember wow. my instructions. it was in the rain in winter. Like it was like zero degrees, saturated. And we just had to sit there and move so slow so there was no fast movement everything was like ninja pace like i'm talking like like the only thing that can move quick is your eyes even then they're not allowed to move that quick they have to track so everything's like the, the, it, i'm talking legitimately the whole time that meticulously slow and i just remember shivering for like through 43 or 44 hours straight it's almost two days it's saturated in the rain sleeping in the mud and whatnot wow. and, and in the rain half submerged in a puddle and I remember, the instructor come up to me the next day. One of them was like, "He's like, I couldn't fucking sleep last night because your teeth wouldn't shut the fuck up." And he just like whispers that. <laughs> and He goes back to just saying nothing to me for the whole fucking day or anyone else. He only he said to anyone the whole day. I'm like, fuck my life. Oh, and then I went, and he's and he's like, he's like, fucking make. He's like, make a coffee. He's like, make a coffee for the team. And it's like you know, and the, the takes so long to make a fucking coffee at the speed of which they want you to move. But you're got right. of like, look, to be honest, I just ate a musley bar a day when I was on my jungle or my patrol stuff out in the field. Cause like, it would take so long to eat a musley bar at the speed at which you're allowed to eat a musley bar or eat food that I just eat one a day. And that's how I would sustain myself outfield. But I remember him like make this and you need, to, he's like, you need to know how to do it, but it's not really, if you were doing these operations, it's not really practical. You'd just be like, no, I'm just not gonna have anything Heated and I went to make it, and a rat had eaten through my fucking bag, my pack, <laughs> just taken all my fucking food and shit. And I'm like, and not even that, he the rat had eaten the shit that you light the hexy or whatever it is to oh, make the fucking yeah. material. So, I not only did I not have I or food to make it, I didn't even have the shit to light a fucking fire. And I was like, fuck my life. Man. I'm like, I'm like, fucking- I'm like,
0: where you I mean, don't sound so like you're right? like, you don't sound like you're operating on. on planet earth you sound like you're on a different fucking planet right. rats so, eating through like dude,
2: your bag you is and... literally that was before planet. the fucking jungle it's a point i wanted to make it was before the jungle it was in prep to go to the jungle and to eat shit there so every night in the jungle i no hammocks and nothing i have to sleep on the jungle floor I just, and it was known as rainy lake it's where the japanese and trains and what World War II got eaten alive. They just got fucking eaten alive, but like they couldn't survive there. It's known as Rainy Lake because it's always raining in the mountains. And every night I slept I half submerged in a puddle of mud. And it was like every night. And then after like, we we're there for a couple of weeks after like week one, I had trench foot where the whole bottom sole of my foot had separated from the meat from the bone. Like it wasn't layers anymore so every time I stood the whole meat would slide it would just tear it it was fucking agonizing to step anywhere and just had to like live like that for like several more weeks and then at the end of it they got us to trudge out to be undetected through the city and whatnot in the middle of the night Mm. by the locals or patrols for like 20 something kilometers um and they you know just as a just as a test as a final thing it was like fuck my life man like it was like when am I getting off selection so yeah, that's what I, I'm like. That's, that and, was like what you think in the. whole And I time. guess
1: experiences vary, right? Because my instructor, he was a bit more of a chilled out dude. So we're fucking sleeping in hammocks every night. I was getting a sweet sleep in the jungle. No <laughs> <laughs> scorpions crawling all over this guy. And then at the very end, we meet up as a call sign, like as a whole <laughs> troop. Because at this stage, we're only operating as five man teams. And then we come together as a troop. And like, I remember looking. At, I remember seeing Nick, and I was like, what "The fuck is wrong with these dudes, man? They look like fucking, you know, like." But anyway, his his instructor was he's a bit of a he's a real strict dude. So Something we're are fucking putting up hammocks and like getting a sick sleep, and they're looking at us like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Because, and then so and Nico's talking about this. We had like a twenty-kilometer escape and evasion. Chuck, you, you asked us kind of earlier about that, and and yeah, you know. So um and lay like Papua New Guinea guys at night, man, it it is the wild west. It's like primitive as oh, yeah. fuck and they drink yeah. and when they drink man they they just go fucking crazy i was more just scared they a local drug remember the
2: local drug Be- beetle
1: nut chew- but, they, it, but they, it's
2: like imagine a drug that everyone in the population is high on like crack or whatever like zombies only it grows on trees so you don't even have to buy it you can just step off the side of the road imagine a cocaine tree And everyone just can (laughs) crash the train and then go back to what they're doing or not doing for the next fucking 40 minutes and then grab more and do it again. Right, man. It is the wild
1: west. And so it's funny. I want to tell this because Nico's Nico's team commander was like, you know, they did their 20-kilometre exfil to get to the yacht club. We had to get to the yacht club, right? Our dude, (laughs) we're like sneaking through the the streets at night. Somehow in the middle of late finds a fucking – Papua New Guinea bottle shop, right? Buys a slab of beers, box of beers, and sits under this palm tree. <laughs> and we've been, in the, we've been in the jungle. It's like a seven-day patrol. And he's like, here, boys. Cracks it, it open. It's like some of these structures, you know, dudes are the just the blokes. Dudes are necking beers in the middle of the Papua New Guinea jungle. It's surreal, man. <laughs> surreal. And then, uh, mate, we're, we're sitting, like, in the shade of a tree. And I think there was a street light that was kind of – Projecting light onto one guy, so it looked like there was one guy there. With the an assault, with an assault rifle, with an M4, right? No live rounds, raw blanks. But our instructors had a magazine alive in case, yeah, you know, just in case. And, uh, and so, in the space of five minutes, I, I literally, I legitimately felt more fearful of my life in lay than I did most of the time in Afghanistan. It was fucking insane. It was like zombie land. So, we see it. Remember the? Do we there? It was like everyone there a with the four-wheel rac- could a four-wheel drive. Much drug and, uh, so down dangerous. and roll – Like some dude's driving a four-wheel drive a Hilux drunk and fucking clips a curb and it rolls right in front of us and we're all sitting in the shade. (laughs) you there for that? Then about five minutes later, this dude comes walking over with a bottle and goes, smashes it. So it's like now a knife and he's walking over toward what he thought... Was one, one guy, guy with an assault rifle, which is totally fine. You're like I don't think he saw guns. he
0: didn't see one still gonna people. approach you with this fucking thing.
1: And the guy's drunk as shit, right? And man, when those guys it's like it's like they're on another planet. And two didn't see the whole troop. This is like when we'd married up as a whole, you know, there's 30 of us or whatever. And uh I can't remember who it is, one of the commanders, and he's like, Hey guys, everyone, this is what's going on, and he just cocks his weapon. <laughs> And This dude comes staggering over with it with a broken bottle, and he kind of like instantly just sobered up, dropped the bottle. And he's like, I think he gave like a thumbs up or something. He's like, No, no, no issues here, like you know,
2: whatever. And walk
1: up, like, yeah, you, got no, you got Dude,
2: it was, uh, mate, it was like, it was a wall. It's that, that country is a wall, where
1: it's, dude, awesome. it's So, every awesome. so, it's
2: like, you know, you've got your crackhead scenarios in, in the US, so yeah. it's like the whole city at night and that, like, day, the whole city is like that. With crack plus alcohol to a point of obliteration. And it's 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 fucking something else, man. Um but so we did that. Then we did we we finished that, then we went on to survival. It's like, hey, another three weeks of starvation. I'm like, it's great. I've been living off fucking musley bars and trench foot for like in the rain and the mud for like several weeks. So this or shivering my ass off to leading up to it. So I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm malnourished, tired and broken. And and uh, and now we're just gonna go on for three weeks without eating, trying to chase goats to their death every now and then so we can fucking survive. But we don't have the energy <laughs> for that. Making fires in the desert. <laughs> like I would have traded a goat, any of the food I ate, just for a bottle of fucking water. Um, doing this, we go from the next thing to the next thing until finally we get to para course where it's just like right. You're just gonna get basic parachute qualifications, and it's like we could. They have these fitness tests to start it, and we couldn't. Yeah, we're we just about the guys survival. supposed to be the fittest dudes in the fucking army, and we can't actually fucking, and, man, we're barely able to pass the test. They're laughing that was at the us. the hardest thing to They're literally do laughing to at us. They're like, test. aren't
1: you guys like trainee special forces? And we're, we literally just come back from our survival course. They're like, I think it was like 30 or 40 push ups, and dudes are fucking getting a 20, and they're
2: like, <gasps> you know. Oh, no man. one has like your bones, your, you've got no body mass anymore. Well, we look like straight out of prisoner of war camps. Um, <laughs> we're just like fucking busted dudes going on to this. And then the parachute course was just like, just don't break a leg because our bones are malnourished and shit at this point. Right. So it's like, all right, don't, don't break a leg. And some dudes it did. didn't stop anyone, did it? But then the hardest thing we did was <laughs> when we finished that, instead of like taking some time off to rest with our families, we went to fucking Thailand. Yeah, we did. And birds it down. Because, you know, that's we just go the extra mile. <laughs> yeah. Always go on the extra mile, man. It's yeah. like, you know what? Fucking hard. How do we make it 110%. Harder? 110%. Out every fucking night, every night, putting the work in. Don't worry about a can of beer. Let's have a bucket. <laughs> good, uh, good so, bucket.
0: Were you guys operating, uh, doing training evolution in Thailand, or are you guys there for and yeah. so
1: no. basically, we get to self deploy. So, so, because we finished selection halfway through the year, we do essentially six months self deploy yeah. mm. six months of training. We get you know a month off or whatever it was, and then another six months. So, that no, it was like two
2: weeks or something like that. So, instead
1: of resting, so Nico and I we the two youngest dudes on our intake. So he was 21.
2: Not married. I was 23.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the dudes oh. are sort of up around, you know, like sort of late 20s, early 30s that they're married, a couple of kids. So, you know, um, we, we were kind of, um, yeah, we, we were sort of, we had no ties. So, mate, we were, we were straight to Thailand. And I think we, when we oh, came back trip. We training, pleasure trip, exactly right. We, we come back to start our training again. We we're starting the roping course. And, mate, we were kind of, we were, on thin ice, the instructors were like, what the fuck you two been doing? And we're just, we're frazzled,
2: <laughs> Instead man. Instead of resting, we just like concentrated. We were just uh, <laughs> like, man, we're we came back, through. our brains could barely work. We're just like exhausted. Like, fucking just, selection hadn't ended yet. It hadn't ended, but, but, but so the long way around, Chuck, to answer your question,
1: what I reckon the hardest thing was, obviously the short answer is everything's hard. It's meant to be, we get that. But in terms of, you know, I suppose the biggest, Course in the SAS or to become qualified is what we call TPC or Target Prosecution Continuum, which is essentially where you learn to be an operator. All CQB, you know, incorporating, you know, learning to shoot your primary weapon, going to your pistol, all, all your shooting, all your
2: tactics, indoor, outdoor, jungle, bush, um, insertion, extraction, you know, any kind of emergency or anything that could possibly arise and, and, type, and like throwing in the whole intelligence package and. The Strategy, rescues, tactics, rules. like fucking everything. Into it's a one, three month course. with like complete dynamics and everything involved all um, thrown into one, into yep. one spectrum.
1: Yep. And it's probably the highest scrutinized course you can do. So it's not uncommon for say, I'd say about, around about 20 to 30% of, you know, trainees to be deemed not yet competent and to come back um, and do it the next time. So there's a lot of pressure. Obviously as any high performing human, yeah. You know, the, the most amount of scrutiny is from yourself, and, and that's right prevalent, you know, throughout the whole program. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's so is it, pretty,
0: is, it just, is it uh like that last phase uh portion is it physically demanding and mentally demanding, or more mentally than physically?
1: Uh, look, it's both. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's both. It's, it's both. both. So, it's you, both. you know, like you get punishment Twice. sessions. So, yeah, we fucked
2: up today, God. So, we're gonna run up the tower, but back not, down, not even punishment sessions. It's like You're running around with body armor, full ammunition, everything. And I mean actually running. There's no getting in and out of a Humvee or a vehicle or anything. Like you're running up and down fucking towels and gas masks and running around shooting, clearing buildings, blowing shit up, high adrenaline, making decisions constantly that are like shooting past each other's heads and shit as you fucking clear of rooms and shooting around each other. It's like extremely dynamic. Like you Mm -hmm. slip your attention for a moment, you may kill your fucking mate. And it's like, yeah. or at least shooting like, but cause you're aiming at the head, you're shooting at head level, probably shoot, you didn't in the face. Um, so it's like, it's pretty, um, extreme. And you might do that for like 18, 20, whatever hours a day. And you're like, you wow. know, five days a week. And it's like, they give you the weekends off. Cause they're like, there's a point there where they like, can get negligent. If you fucking, they got you working to that extreme every fucking day. Mm. So, right. but it's like, it's, it's, it's intense. It's pretty fucking intense.
0: I mean, and, that, and that's at the very end of your, your training evolution to, to graduate?
2: Yeah, well,
1: it's probably the second last thing we've got to do. The, the last thing we've got to do is what we call insertion. So I mentioned earlier, you guys in America have got a whole bunch of different units that cover different, um, you know, requirements where, you know, we've got ourselves and our, our, our commando brothers and we, um, you know, so we'll do insertion training after that, which is essentially we'll be split into, into three. There'll be guys that go do the water course, the guys that do the, the the air we call air or free fall um or the the land stuff so the guys go and do the motorbikes quad bikes you know vehicles and stuff so we pretty much that's our last phase and and we're pretty well together in all of our training during you know during during that um continuum and then we split up at the end and do do all that sort of stuff so that's really the last thing i think did you break right. your leg oh, yeah, you broke my leg on
2: the free fall, fall yeah, yeah so oh I, actually, I actually
1: i went to water right and I swim like a set of car keys. So I got about halfway through the course and I was fucking on struggle street from day one. I was just, man, I was, I, I went for being a redhead. Hey, doc, you know, picking down. I, I, like- I'm allergic to the sun. So I never used to go to the beach much. I don't even think I never dived or anything. And I'm straight on this fucking dive course. Insane. Why did I choose that? I don't know. Um, and, you know, I'm, we're doing night dives. We're doing, um, you know, we're doing like, Thousand meter, or yeah, you know, whatever it is. I'll just turn this little bad boy. We'll get the fucking shit popping up on our screen. You know, thousand meter swim to target to a to a ship at anchor, and you know I'm a right. dude navigating. I'm getting it wrong, and I'm just keep fucking up. And then halfway through the course, they're like, "Blue, you're just not keeping up, man." And I was kicked off the course. And, and got red hair. And I got red hair as well. So it's a disability, basically. But uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, it's yeah. And mate, and I say it's the best course I ever failed. And you know, we talk about. Going back to our ten ten uh, our our ten pillars. What do you call them? Ten, yeah, those things. Uh, one of them is humility, right? And right. you know, it's like you talk to any I guess any any fighter, any 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 person that's got to kind of give their ego up to learn more. Man, you got to leave that thing at the door because um, it fuck. It's it's a hard pill to swallow when you fail. You know, and I find. Oh, this, also, yeah, it's not uncommon, like I said, for
2: dudes to fail courses because there's a standard, and it's not like even, anywhere else. Even in the-, the fucking unit, man, everyone's had their day where they get a humility check. We've got a right. thing in the unit you know, called daily renewable contract. Doesn't matter what your history is, how long you've been around, for how great, whether you've got a medal of honor or whatever. You fuck up one moment, one day, you are done forever. You're gone. Right. You're out the fucking day. <clears throat> done. Daily renewable contract. So it's like, but there are lines where they're like, okay, it's a sizable fuck up no one died, this and that, and they're like, they can see the reason behind it. And they're like, and then they'll be like, right, give us a justification why, you you know, you you think you should still be around. You get to argue your case. Obviously, there's cases where they're like, no, not even a fucking chance, which is the daily renewable contract. So it's like, but because they understand that every task given to us that we're doing like 10 a day, no matter what the fuck it is, is like, is a you know, something of like either oh, strategic level consequence or, or or training to simulate strategic level consequence. It's like big decision making. Right? So there is a bit of a fudge factor, but there's also a consequence where they could be like, and you're you know, from that moment. I mean, I went through and I watched the RT guys go through training in uh Quantico, whatever, over the yeah. top and whatnot. And I remember I never seeing them shoot a fucking like several of them go through the serials in training and shoot like a hostage target. Now that they're gone through training, so I'm not, not here to they right. there Really fucking competent dudes. Like they're, they're, they're they were amazing, but like I was looking at that, and I'm like, oh fuck, man, I'm, like I feel sorry for those guys. You know, just like it's it's, it's a very bad right, environment. Out. But they, but I didn't realize they got to stay on. I saw they got to stay on. I'm like, yeah, guys, right? Just you know, you saw you did that, and I'm like, in our know, units, you know, like, and you're gone, and you're done. Thanks for coming. Right. Thanks, thanks for your five, six, seven, eight, ten years, whatever. Yeah, since, uh,
0: So the moment that you start your 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 competency starts to kind of come a little bit down, you're not as on your a game. They just boot you from the unit. And they're like, okay, no more. I mean,
2: yeah. they're, not, they're not as as it's like it sounds ruthless, but it's like I uh, it. no, there's different there's different scenarios to measure right. Like if you come across this flimsy paper target and they got sh- and it wasn't lit well or or it was didn't have anything that would indicate it in any fashion and it's like, all right, it's a paper knife on a fucking paper target doing a nighttime serial of a hostage rescue or something like that. You're like, okay, you know, you you're fucking you're you're in the shit list pretty bad and, and you're gonna be watched like a hawk for maybe several months. Right. It's like, but if it's clear as day that there was a there was no weapon on them or whatever, you know, or something like that, it's like and the target's clear, it's like, hey man. Your mm-hmm. you're done so so like it's not 100 versus black and white there is a bit of consideration for it but it's like it's pretty you know and and it's not and what i'm getting to here is it's everyone's kind of taking their turn of a humility check right absolutely
1: in, in man everyone's right. you know i was saying like everyone's got one you know colossal fuck up in them you know and, and hopefully when, when it's your turn no one dies and no one gets injured and it's it's kind of you're embarrassed and you look like a dickhead and Everyone can learn from it, and then you yeah, you move on. But, um, everyone's got one big fuck-up in them, you know? And, um, no one's immune. Yeah, right. no one's – yeah. Perfect and that's how it. you
0: learn, how you're that's not going to do it again. <clears throat> and I think a lot of people might be listening, like, damn, that's kind of harsh, you know, uh, being in, like, a, a unit like that. And you fuck up. You've been there for however many years, and you fuck up one time, and you're done. But we also have to remember that <laughs>
2: – One goat. One <laughs> fucking goat. And you're the goat fucker forever. Yeah, but that was voluntary. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah
0: <laughs> but yeah. people have to remember that these guys are the the tip of the spear uh for like Australia you know like these are special forces dudes so they are have to be perfect 100 of the time because if they don't people die no
1: and- that's the thing. yeah and and particularly when you're training like if you uh, if you said to me what, what what would you take the most serious in your job uh, for me it was hostage rescue right like we right. are yes yeah, the trying to is the Australian government's contingency plan we're up on the shelf with that little glass case, you know, breaking case of emergency. So if politicians need to use us to, you know, extend. We're the uh, last resort. There exactly, diplomatic options, all these shit's no, exactly off the table. Right. It's yeah. a bit of an emergency. So if, if we're going in to say do a hostage rescue for an Australian citizen around the world, that's, you know, that's why you train, you know, back to back. Right. Train for hours. That's why you become competent because you, the government need to know that they can use you, um, you know, at, at their discretion. So. And,
2: and, the, and you need to know... Like one of my biggest things that I think separate our unit from from, from like you know, the, the, the rest of the lads was one percenters. We took one percenters to heart and we were just so much more consciously present, even though it's being conscious is more taxing, right? We know that it uses more brain energy. I'm physically more tired if I have to be conscious. If I'm learning another language and I'm speaking that language, I have to be conscious to think about it. I'm fucking exhausted at the end of the day speaking consciously in another language when I'm learning. Same thing goes for this. So I'm, we're so much more fucking conscious, but it doesn't matter how conscious you are, you still you still make errors. And I right. would find the one percenters were the thing that we took to heart, and we just no matter what they were, we knew if you fucked up, if you gave an inch on a one percent error or did it again, you were opening the door for a ten percent error, and before you know a colossal fuck up. And right, it's like, right. and, you, and like, you know, you might have a colossal fuck up where it, it kind of. You know, it, no no one dies, it's not it significant as a cause it as a sort of state level incident because the shit we're touching is like, yeah, we might cause a state level incident if we fuck up. But it's like it's it's big to us, but not catastrophic to the world, right? right at that point. But so and we take it really to heart and we're like, no, it's our job to not make those, to be the scalpel, to make that perfect mm. carton removal of shit. So one were a big thing to us to not make that. So we we were our own worst critic if you did. Absolutely. Everyone else might. Look at right. you, you might have shame, you might be a bit sheepish, and, but you would take it further to heart than it, than anyone else. So.
1: I think just on yeah. that, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, a, a special forces unit, like you're you're a strategic level asset, right? A, 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 yeah, even as a, as a, as a private soldier, or the lowest rank in our unit was a trooper. So even as a trooper, and and this became particularly evident on operations down the track, right? Right. Doing, you know, you're doing some sensitive um, work or whatever your role is, Mate, if you fuck it up, like you're talking about um, some some like strategic level, you know, some some government level sort of, uh yeah, um, you, you're going to upset the Apple card. You It's going to it's going to make headlines right. uh, in in your country if you if you if you fuck it up, like.
0: And that's poten- something that. Potentially, like. right?
1: No, yeah. right. <laughs> well, exactly right. Like- so you know, reverse engineering it back from those headlines, so to speak. Um, you know, like Nico was saying, you. you everything that you're doing it's um particularly let's say it was a hostage rescue or if you're doing sort of other yeah. sensitive work that requires a bit more thinking or um it's a bit sort of um, unorthodox like that's the reason yeah you know, I, I guess going, going back to all the training we've spoken about like that, that's the reason you train to that level you know so you can you you're you, you're a strategic level asset you know? so um, right but and, and you well, kind of well, know what, you, you put it all together as you go so yeah super interesting
0: yeah, and it, it sounds like your selection process is, is very difficult and um, very methodically thought out and just it's it's wild. And you guys kind of both had different experiences while going through it. And, I, I you know, you had one good, like, cool instructor and the other one was, like, yeah. oh, sleeping in puddles, you know, yeah. and uh, whereas, you know, Nico's freaking foot sloughed off and you were sleeping in a hammock. Wait, where's my concern?
1: was in the junk. No, no I'm not caught.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you guys did you guys end up going on to uh the same actual unit to operate in?
2: Once yeah, like, what well, we would no, call Actually, we got we like we left the reinforcement cycle and ended in the same squadron and same troop in that squadron. So oh, Nico and we we live together, right?
1: I mentioned we're the two youngest oh, yeah. dudes. So we hired a we hired a place in like Perth in Australia is where we're based, right? So
2: we basically took the Beverly Hills equivalent. Mate, we were living in this fucking
1: three-storey mini mansion, just the two of us. We had nothing in the fridge, like, just alcohol. We were playing Guitar Hero. I remember we had a cleaner, right, this poor woman's, <laughs> like, um, vacuuming the carpet, and Nico's there, like, hungover playing Guitar Hero, and she's trying to vacuum under his legs, and he doesn't even lift his legs at all. <laughs> and like, he's like, she's, like, vacuuming around him, man. Like, we're just living way outside i means, just like living like fucking rock stars you know we just thought we we're killing it
0: yeah i'm gonna pause you right there yeah send it um because as we're as we're getting closer to the end of this episode uh this is going to be part one um <clears throat> come back for part two when we hear them talk about uh <laughs> maids cleaning cleaning up under some passed out dude and uh what it's like to live with one another and operate with one another so we're going to get back into that um uh, very soon in part two. So come back next week. Um, but as we get ready to close this, uh,
1: all right,
0: this episode out, um, <clears throat> stand by.
1: Well, I'll just- okay, I can't find it, but as we get
0: ready to close this, uh, this out, um, I just want to thank everyone for, for today for listening. If you like the content and the podcast, um, please help us out by reading, reviewing us on Apple podcast, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to us on. You can also go to our Instagram at war underscore stories, underscore official, and our Facebook at war stories podcast. Click the link in the bio. You can get to all of our socials and our media. You can also support us by going to www.warstoriesofficial.com and grab some gear. And if you want to be featured on the show, you think you have a friend who would be a great fit, Please go to booking.warstories at gmail.com, and I can get you booked. We're always looking for veterans, law enforcement, firefighters, medics, but also corrections, dispatchers, and nurses. I just want to say thank you for the support and stay safe. Um, <clears throat> nice. um, Doc, do you have anything to, to tell anyone?
2: Nah, I'm good
1: right now. Do you guys have any,
0: any closing uh, for the fans? Well, we're going
1: to with the, we're, yeah. Stay tuned, episode two. Yeah. We'll, uh, All right. We're only getting started. Where Nico's third beer, I'm about half a bottle of wine, and we're just we're just getting comfortable. So,
0: <laughs> it's white wine, so it doesn't count. Um
2: right. yeah. Juice.
0: But <laughs>
2: thank you, thank you, everyone. Uh Just remember, come home with your shield or on it.